Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a coach for women here in Japan, the creator of the Woman in Japan Mastermind and the Jumpstart course. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all of your kind wishes and congratulations that um, I've had since the last episode was released uh, on Monday last week. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, there's a big announcement in there. Um, you can go and listen in more detail if you want to. But the gist of it is that our family is moving to Sweden at the end of this year due to my husband being sent there for his job. And in the episode, I talked a lot about what a huge surprise it was to us and also, you know, just how sort of um, – how confused I was for, you know, a good week um, as to why this was happening now. Yeah. So please go and have a listen to that. But um, to all of the people who uh, messaged me and uh, emailed me, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate your well wishes and your enthusiasm. Yeah. Nobody said, oh, what? You're leaving? No, you can't leave. Um, what about the podcast? Everyone was, yeah, le- le- yay. What an exciting adventure for you. And so I appreciate your support because, you know, some days it does feel a little bit scary, let's just say, um, that we, and I just don't know how it's all going to work out, that we are going to get our, you know, pick up our whole lives and start again in a new country with two children in tow this time. Um, but yeah, we'll get there and people do it all the time, apparently. So <laughs> I'm sure we will manage as well. So yes. And so kind of just to um, follow on from that, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about what happened in the meantime since um, I recorded that episode. I recorded it a couple of weeks ago because I knew that I was going to be really, really busy coming back to Japan. Um, you know, just the whole traveling thing. Um, every time it wipes me out for a good three or f- to five days and once I get home and it takes you know, a good five days for my head to catch up with my physical body and to feel that I'm on an even keel again here in Japan, which is something my father used to love to say. So he liked things to be on an even keel. <laughs> so, um, you know, just feeling, you know, back, back to normal, back to equilibrium and back on schedule, that sort of thing. So I knew that was going to happen. So I recorded the episode a little bit in advance and I was really glad I did because my head was just in the clouds for most of last week, um, getting used to being back here and the heat. And it's not even that hot, you know, like it's been so much cooler um, than it has been apparently. So everybody's telling me, Oh, we threw all of the, the hot time, which which I, I know this as well, but because I've come from being in winter where it's been, you know, sort of 10 degrees or, you know, maybe 12 or 14 degrees every day in New Zealand and then to be plonked into 28 degrees and 80 to 90% humidity has been a real struggle um, to readjust to the heat. And yesterday I went to my... Um, acupuncturist and I told her you know I'm you know just sort of struggling with getting back to being 
in summer after being in winter and she said to me, um, well, you know, you often have a lot of tension in your neck and shoulders. So that also um, affects your body's ability to adjust to the temperature. So I'm gonna. So she said I'm going to um, <laughs> effectively stick more needles in your neck and your shoulders today. So that's what happened yesterday. And thankfully, it's not that hot that I need the air conditioning on today. But I do have the windows open for the breeze to come in because otherwise it's just horrible. So you'll have to excuse me if you do hear the old truck roaring by or something like that. So yes, back to business here in Japan. I'm feeling good and been getting back and going to my gym again and um, eating some really healthy good Japanese food some miso and umeboshi and all of that good Japanese stuff that I love now after 17 years of being here which I certainly didn't when I first came here that's for sure so um, yeah the thing I wanted to talk to you today about and I just mentioned before is that um, you know, in the meantime, since I recorded that episode, some something really nice has sort of happened. And it's because of just one little action that I took. And it's what happened when I was in New Zealand. Um, so once again, the library in town uh, was uh, had a an event happening one weekend. And I saw it come up on Facebook. And I saw that there was going to be a workshop for writers happening at the library. And the workshop's topic was, um, so how to write and publish your first book. And I was like, that's something I'd like to go to because, you know, I've always thought that, you know, I'd like to write a book, but of course I can't write a book because I'm not of a, you know, I'm not a writer of a quality that could write a book, you know, of course, I've been a blogger and all of that, but oh, writing a book. Mm. But I'll go and I'll and I'll sort of just see what the story is, you know. And I almost almost didn't go actually because I looked at it and I thought, oh, it's sixty five dollars, sixty five New Zealand dollars. That's not even what's that like five thousand yen maybe? Oh, it's you know five thousand yen for three or four hours, and I just sort of couldn't. Um, I couldn't see that it would be worth the money to go because surely I I couldn't write a book. <laughs> so I was making up all of these excuses, setting up all of these little um, boundaries for myself again. Um, and it's so easy to spot it when other people do it, isn't it? But for me, it seems so real that, you know, it would, wouldn't necessarily be um, a good use of $65 to go to this thing. So, and then I was thinking, oh, but my kids, it's the weekend. I have to ask my mum to look after them. And, oh, she probably won't want to. And, but I, you know, sucked it up and I went and asked her anyway. And she was like, yeah, okay, sure. That'll be fine. We'll, we'll do something, you know. And I thought, see, look at me getting in my own way again. Here, <laughs> you're doing it again. So I had the babysitter. Of course, I had $65 to go to this thing. And I just thought, this isn't English on a weekend. You can go to this. You know, this is, imagine there's no way that you would be able to go to something like this in Fukushima. You know, it would be in Japanese. It would, you know, be a lot harder for you to understand. You'd be the only foreigner in the room. <laughs> so I thought, this is, this is a really great chance to go to something in English. So let's just go. 
So off I went to this workshop. And when we got there, um, a lovely lady who was hosting the workshop, the, one of the first questions she asked us was, um, well, there were two questions, actually. The first question was, why do you want to write a book? And question two, and more importantly, why do you want to write the book now? And I sat there just gobsmacked. Like, I'd only been there five minutes <laughs> and already. I had have, had like this, um, like a, it was, yeah, a big slap in the face. Like, basically, I knew the book that I wanted to write. The book that I wanted to write is a book about, of course, what happened here in Fukushima, about my experience, my personal experience during that time um, on the day of the disaster when the earthquake and the tsunami happened um, and the following days when the nuclear meltdown started to happen and being pregnant at that time, um, being a foreigner in Japan at that time, um, you know, and I also wanted to write a book that talks more about as well, what's happening now in Fukushima. And because I, I do know that a lot of people don't know, right, what's happening in Fukushima. And I thought, that's definitely the book that I need to write. This book needs to be written. And it's important that I write it in English so that I can contribute something to the story of what happened in Fukushima that is not from a reporter that is from that is a real account of somebody who was actually living there at the time because a lot of the things that you do read in English are just reports yeah reported things from media so there's always going to be some kind of slant to it that's going to sell it right to going to sell more copies and so I want to write something that was real that was my own words and not mangled by <laughs> reporters, which is quite often what happened and definitely what happened to me during the disaster when I was interviewed for various, um, you know, TV shows and things and um, news reports. So this is, you know, I knew I had the book and I had the topic and, um, but I, what I, the piece that I didn't have was why now? And when it hit me was that, um, why now? It's like, it has to be now. I have to write this book now. Um, you know, especially with the Olympics coming next year, Japan is going to be the center of media attention from countries across the world. And if my book's coming out next year, it's going to be better for my book and for the story of Fukushima as well, that it comes out in around the time of the Olympics. So this was my thinking, and the the woman who was hosting the workshop was also thinking the same thing I could see. <laughs> so she was very excited about this opportunity. And so I thought this is the perfect chance for me to write this book. And then, as you know, as I mentioned in the last um, episode that we are, you know, moving away from Japan at the end of this year, I can be out in the world talking about it and, you know, talking to people about Fukushima. And this is something that I cannot do from within Japan. And 
I need to be overseas. And if I'm already overseas, it just makes it so much more doable and easy, less traveling, etc. I have two small children. I can't be jet-setting around the world or I don't want to be jet-setting around the world and leaving them behind all the time. So to me, it was like all of the pieces in this big puzzle just went click, 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 click and fitted together. All of these random things that have been floating in my head finally came together into a picture that I could see. And the picture contains uh, is me finishing this book in the next six months or so, getting it out and getting out into the world and talking about it and um, getting the word out about, you know, what, what happened in Fukushima from the perspective of someone who was actually there at the time. And what's it like in Fukushima now from the perspective of someone who actually lives here and is working with local people to, you know, make things happen here. So, oh, oh my goodness. So when I, um, when I figured this out, I, yeah, I'm in the middle of this um, writer's workshop. It was like, um, you know, when you have like all these like full body tingles and Sarah Furia, if you're listening to this episode, we've talked about this on an episode before with Sarah. It was a fabulous episode. We talked about getting these full body tingles and I was just sitting there like tingling and I hadn't had any caffeine or anything. I hadn't had any, any kind of drugs or anything. I was just, it was just, yeah, it was just this magical feeling. So I was like, this is something that has to be done. Now, the problem is, obviously, as I explained before, I do still get in my way a lot. And I know that my character is someone who um, it can easily do things for other people. But if I'm doing something off my own bat or just for me, then it tends not to happen or it gets pushed down the list of priorities. And so... I was very grateful to be part of the workshop with other writers who we can all kind of keep each other accountable. But um, I know I need a lot of accountability on this one because, and even as I was um, taking some time to write yesterday, so um, I just I just had this sort of uh, this idea kept popped into my head, and so I just wrote it down to get it out of my head. Was that my experience during um, the Fukushima disaster, the, the disaster here in Fukushima, um, wasn't that bad. Another uh, chance to learn about letting go of control of things because controlling we we cannot control things. We think we can, but we actually can't. And going with the flow again is another theme in my life: is learning to be able to just go with the flow, just trust that somehow we're going to be living in Sweden in a few weeks time. So yeah, I'm looking forward to having Christmas and the lead up to Christmas in a European country again, because they do it so well over there. And if you're from a European country, you'll know, right? Um, You know, it's cold and um, it's dark outside early and they have lovely Christmas market things and especially um, I used to live in Stuttgart which has one of the biggest Christmas markets in the whole of Germany it was just a really fun thing to do with friends go and meet at the Christmas markets and make your way around the different 
um, <laughs> different mulled wine, you know, that hot red wine, that really sweet hot red wine, <laughs> um, shops, eat various Christmas foods. Like it's a whole, at least a month of um, preparing for Christmas. So I'm really looking forward to being somewhere. Um, I think in Sweden they do a pretty good job of it too, from what I've seen. So for my kids, it's going to be very magical, I'm sure. Um, also, we are going to be living just down the road from the biggest, I think it's the biggest fun park in the whole of Sweden. And um, they do a really good Christmas there, apparently, at <laughs> Christmas markets and things. So that's going to be amazing. We are going to be camping in our apartment, though. I don't think we're going to have our stuff for Christmas. So it's going to be like air beds and, you know, a tree that's I don't know what it's going to look like. It's maybe a pot plant or something. I've actually got one of those little little mini Christmas trees that you hang little decorations on that's made of wood. I'm sure you, if you saw a picture, you'd know what I'm talking about. I've got one of those that maybe I'll take and say, guys, this is our Christmas tree <laughs> this year. Um, and we'll actually have a day off on Christmas Day. And Boxing Day will be a day off too, and that'll be really awesome. So, you know, coming from New Zealand and having grown up with summer Christmases, it's so um, so awesome to have like a real winter Christmas, but also to actually have um, the day off with family is a real blessing as well that we sometimes don't get here in Japan, that's for sure. So, yeah, that's something I'm looking forward to. And it looks like my kids will be able to start their new school and have maybe a month of school before the winter holiday starts. And so hopefully we will get to know a few people, make a few friends in that short time. And so maybe the winter holiday might not be so long, all of that sort of thing. So those are the bright spots I'm um, focusing on, <laughs> given that, um, you know, I had this really long list of things that I wanted to do before we left Japan. And it, often it takes like having um, – you know, uh, a use by date to actually do something. You know, we live in, I've lived in Japan for 17 years and we've been back since our last international posting for nine years, I think it is. Um, and so many things I haven't done just because I just thought, oh, well, I can do it anytime. So it happened no time. So now that there's, you know, I only have until, what is it? November 14th or something that we're flying away. Um, or it was December, December 14th or something we were initially planning for, that I suddenly had this list of things I wanted to get done and I was looking forward to ticking them off. And now that's, that's just not happening. So it, there just isn't time, enough, enough days to get it done. So yeah, not doing the things I wanted to do. But in saying that, my life just got a lot, a lot more simple. Um, all of those, you know, having those events to plan and run or trips to go on and prepare for and come back from and recover from and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, what was I thinking maybe almost? <laughs> like now that it's off off the menu, like I, I just can't do it. It's off my schedule. I'm actually feeling a lot, even though we have to leave a lot sooner, I'm actually feeling a lot more calm because the, the, I only have two things to think about. I have one is my house, like packing up my house. And the other thing is this one event, which um, by the time you listen to this will have finished. And um, yeah, and then just saying goodbye to people and, you know, we're saying, see you when we get back. 
So that's all I have to worry about now. And that is actually quite light compared to all of the things that was on my schedule before that. So thank you universe for, um, <laughs> for that. And yeah, I'm going to enjoy our last three weeks in Japan as much as I can saying goodbye to people. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to that, but it isn't forever. That's for sure. We'll be back and yeah, there's lots of things to look forward to. And I hope that um, people can enjoy our experience of moving to Sweden, even if you're still here in Japan. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. Um, also, if you've been following me and wondering about the flooding and things, um, and because um, there was a lot of people asking, how can they donate? How can they um, send something that's maybe needed? So all of those sorts of um, donations are pretty much closed now. Um, most places are not asking for any more things because we had a problem where people just had nothing. Um, they had um, the flood took away, like washed away or destroyed everything in their house. And so they just needed some, they, right then they needed clothes. Like they needed clothes for that day. Like, like kids were going to school in their pajamas because that's all they had. Um, and so I think we did a good job of getting people some new things, uh, you know, some some kind of clothing so that they had something to wear. And so now it's a, a matter of getting what they actually need um, or what they actually want, you know, like maybe um, like Uniqlo and GU have really come to the party um, in donating things. Also um, Under Armour, which is located here in Iwaki, they have a, um, a big – uh, what is it? A big that they have a soccer team here that they sponsor, and um, also they have a distribution center. That's the word I'm looking for here in Iwaki City. So they've donated a lot of clothing as well. Those sorts of things, um, you know, really nice stuff has been donated from places like that. So people are starting to get what they need. Um, you know, like the kids with their Nando Seto backpacks and things. Those companies are coming to the party on that as well. So um, those sorts of donations not really needed anymore. But um, I think, you know, like if you'd like to donate money, there are various causes that you can do that through. I think the Red Cross is always a good one. Um, they generally do a good job of helping people in, in need in these sorts of places where, um, you know, natural disasters have occurred. So if you'd still like to help, that's an option. Um, and for Iwaki City, we all, well, almost all houses have water back now. So that's really great. And it helps that people are less distracted about their own lack of water problems. They can go and help other people to clean up or whatever. So that's um, still a work in progress, I'm sure, um, by the time you're listening to this. Um, yeah, so uh, don't stay away. If you're planning to come up this way, you know, if you if you can, then do come because businesses do need the support of customers, um, even though it may not be quite as you were expecting or something. Um, we're still open for business up here as well. So that's all for today. Thank you so much. I will keep you up to date with what's happening and uh, look out for a few more solo episodes as we go through the move to Sweden um, because I'm probably going to struggle to do too many more interviews for a little while. And once I get sorted over there, then uh, you will have some more interviews happening. So thank you so much and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Um, 
and there's a school lunch and things so that we're not necessarily making lunches and things and so a lot of parents work is is taken like that's an, a good hour of work a day that is taken off parents hands I feel uh, by the Japanese school system um, here school lunch is also a thing and it's free which is you know awesome and but the whole like taking your kid to school is you know well obviously I'm going to have to do that myself so it's a good hour at least a day of um, maybe two hours worth of my day going to school dropping them off and then picking them up again afterwards so that has been a little bit of a, um, a challenge to me to figure out or well, how am I going to spend my time um, because before I had from 8 till <clears throat> 2.30 that was my time but now it's going to be more